Welcome to the Never Stop Getting It podcast, where we take your mind out of reality and have a little fun with life. Here's your hosts, Steve Giroux, Scott Bailey, and John Osimo. Hello, Never Stop Getting It Nation. We got a great day. We got a special guest. Today, our guest is a former WWE superstar. He's a member of the WWE Hall of Fame, and he's one half of the legendary team, the Bushwhackers. So without further ado, we have Bushwhacker Luke. How you doing today, brother? Bloody lovely, tell your mother. How you guys doing? You're looking good. Hey, guys, you need to fucking change that cologne, mate. It smells like... Bloody rotten sardines. Oh, come on, man. That's, that's him. That's him. Right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put the blame on somebody else. You're always unloading the blame. Anyhow, it's great to be on Never Stop Getting Podcast. Great. Uh, All yeah. right. A lot of things are going on, too. Anyhow, mate, you forgot to say, I'm also in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. That's, that's right. By the, that's voted by the legends and, and Hall of Famers. From the past, like um, Luke Thiers and all those guys. So that's they're past. Part that they're all past now, but uh, that, this is another thing. NWA. Yeah, that's probably the most important one. That one's in Texas, right? Yeah. Well, now yes, but as the um, my friend, I'm on the board of the um, International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. That's in Albany. They're moving all that stuff up from Texas back to back to the. Um, New York State. Oh, okay. That's mm. awesome. Oh, we're close Whoa, by. Yeah. We're close and, by. And, and um, we're in the we're, we've got a place in the um, arena, the main arena in um, Albany. I forget the name of it. Second floor. We've got a we've got our Hall of Fame there. Oh, okay. Oh, so uh, the main arena where in New York? Albany. Albany. No, in, in Albany. Albany. Oh, yeah. we're gonna okay. have to check yeah, that the, out. The, uh, yeah, the Albany, I forgot, Albany is the capital of New York State, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, right. Yeah. So, hey, yeah, hey Luke, I was, I was kind of curious about a few things. I know when you guys started, you guys were called the Kiwis. How'd you come up yeah. with that name? Because we are Kiwis. New, New, Zealanders, New Zealanders are called Kiwis, mate. Oh, no oh, kidding. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know you guys got to get off that fucking boat. That boat was fucking Moses. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I guess so. This is 2023, not fucking 80, you know, 16 BC or 14 BC. Tell them they invented something called Google. Yeah, New Zealand. All the New Zealand teams that come overseas around the world, they're called the Kiwis. Gotcha. Well, see, Kiwis, are, and it's from a bird that is the smallest bird in the world that lays the biggest egg. You know, for a small bird, Kiwi bird. It's on your, you'll see that bird on your boot polish, Kiwi boot polish. Ever seen that? Yes, yes. of course. I, I was a Marine, so yeah, I've seen that all the time. Yeah, and another thing, too, the Kiwi fruit. But I'm not a fruit, but, um, you know, that was originally the Chinese gooseberry, and that's grown in New Zealand, and it was an exported to Japan, and because they didn't know what to call it a Chinese gooseberry, they changed that fruit to kiwi fruit. Oh, no kidding. Ooh, okay. Wow. Okay. See, I was going to say, I, I know all this, but we wouldn't really have much of a podcast if yeah, I knew it all. we want you to educate our <laughs> listeners. We know this, but we want you to educate. At the moment, give you guys a bit of an education. Uh-oh. You know, get out of America. Start looking around the world. You're learning something, guys. You got it. That's you got it. it. We, we got to take this podcast around the world. That's what we got to do. Road trip. <laughs> Getting podcasts, they're going to blow it out of out of this country and through Europe, through through the Far East, everywhere. You know it. it. You know it. we're getting after it. That kind of sounds like your guys' wrestling career. You wrestled all over the place. Yeah, we we started in I started in 1962. Butch started in 65. We teamed up in 66. We were doing we were working um WCW the, the American promoter. <clears throat> 
Jim Barnett come out, come down to Australia in 66, 65, and bought out the Arola Derby and put America WCW. He's the one that owned WCW. He's the one that got Ted Turner to put um, wrestling on the satellite. Jim go. Barnett. Uh, Have you heard of him? Yes. Of course, of course, yes. yes. Yeah. Hey, Jim, Jimbo, I worked for Jimbo in 66 first, and that I was actually working as a, as a fag called Gorgeous Teddy Williams, and that it was long blonde hair, and he changed my name to Sweet to Sweet William. Sweet William. I get, that's it. Yeah. So we actually worked around a butcher me went to Australia, but not as a tag team, a singles working for um, Jim Barnett. That's when we first learned to punch and kick. New Zealand, you weren't allowed to punch or kick. You had to give forearms with a British uppercut and you had to drop legs. You know, we had four ropes and we had rounds. When we went over to Jim Barnett, we had three ropes and no rounds. It was another kettle of fish, a whole different egg. There you go. Wow, no kidding. So and then, and then in the 69, we started going up to Singapore. Well, it was not Singapore, and then we go to Malaya and Asia. It wasn't Malaysia then. It was Asia and Malaya, Malaya. two separate countries, and they were fighting for independence. That's when we first went and we started going up into those countries, Penang, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, to the Far East. Okay. Yeah, no, well, you guys, when you were the Kiwis and the Sheepherders, you guys were magnificent heels, and you were so over. And then, for some reason, you go to the WWE, and they make you baby faces. Why is that? Why do you think? Why is that? Vince said to us, um, you know, when, he, when, he, when I got the message, and then we went up and saw him in his office and that, and he looked at us, and he said, you know, guys, I'd like to make you uh, the good. How about you becoming the good guys? And uh, me and Bush looked at each other, and Bush said to well, them, you can't do that with these faces. Look at these faces. <laughs> Bush, turned around, Bush turned around and he said, look at the mugs on my top baby faces. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Jake the Snake, yeah. Axel Jim Duggan. They're not the prettiest mugs in the world. Right. Oh, oh. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah so and he said to and he said to us, "I want you be, between the sheep herders and the moon dogs, but as baby faces." And um, that, and that's when we left the office and that. And um, two days later, we Butch got some. I was on the road doing something and that. Butch calls me up. He says, "Look, I got a contract here, but I sent the wrong contracts. This is for the bushwhackers." Oh. <laughs> and I said to Butch, I said to Butch Vince wants to own us. Yes. Oh, was, you know, yep. so instead of using the sheep herders, we get more, we'd get a bigger percentage, you know, merchandise, but him owning the name, you, you get a less percentage. But we were so happy to get on board. Yeah. Anyhow, so that was it. So, um, you know, the Moondogs had already been on USA Network for five or six years. We'd been on Ted Turner's network from 79 to 88, off and on. WTBS, TNT, and all that sort of stuff. And so we, we decided to do something completely different. Well, when we were heels, we used to swing our arms up in the air and go, whoa, yay, to scare the people when we went out the ring, yeah. you know, with a visual. And then Butch said, let's turn that around and make it a baby face thing. Let's start marching to the ring, swinging our arms like that. And I fucking cried. I said, oh, my shoulders are fucked. How can I do that? <laughs> he put his nose right on my nose. He said, do you want to make money? That's yeah. it. It works. I was like just going to ask you, when did, when did that, that transition it. happen? Right. It works. It worked. In the first week, that, that, that was the first week that well, we came out for a month doing vignettes. You know what vignettes of are, course, right? Of course, yeah. The yeah. little skits, yeah. Yeah, yeah little skits. We came up and did skits, and then he was putting, we're doing, coming up every week for four weeks, and we're doing four skits every time we come up. Wow. You know, and um, he was putting it on his shows then. There was no Monday Night Raw then, there was, but there was so many different shows at the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. At that time, he had USA Network, plus he had NBC, ABC, CBS, 
he had a lot of other channels, you know what I mean? With, pardon me, with different shows on. So um, he, 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 we started doing all these vignettes, and we were lucky. Right at that time, Crocodile Dundee 2 yeah. had just come out. Mm-hmm. So we copied all we copied a lot of the sayings of Crocodile Dundee 2. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. That, that works. You know, movies were very big, very big at the time. Yeah, right. You know, that's how you bring that's the, ki- the kids in. It. You bring the kids in, and they're doing this, and 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 yeah, and, 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 yeah, and using the bloody sayings, down under sayings. You know, we'd been over here. We'd been over here from '72, and now it was '88. So we'd you, we'd forgot a lot about. We we didn't use many of our down under sayings. All of a sudden, we started using them again. You right. know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. So, Luke. Yeah, that was it. That's how the Bushwhackers became. We became the, and we did, we developed the um the swing arm swing, and he just gave us a name. We developed the characters. Got it. Got it. So, Luke, I got a question for you here, which is uh, about the the Clinton's cat. There's something out there. Um, there's there's a story yeah. out there's a story out there about the Clinton's cat. So, can can you can you explain that to us? We're at the white egg. We're at the uh, um, Easter egg hunt at the White House. Oh, nice! <laughs> and, all of, and all of a sudden, the fucking guy comes out with the pussy cat on the lead, and and butcher is like, "Cop this," he said. "This is a good one," he said. He picked that cat up and he gave it a lick. He gave it the bloody cat a few licks, and he said, "Hey, I come back at it. He's the only one that ever licked Clinton's pussy." Oh. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, that, 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 that bloody dyke. Yeah. <laughs> but so so everybody knows the understanding. It, it's more or less about the head licking. Yeah. So the head licking. Well, you guys do coming down to the ring or during the ring and stuff in the ring. How'd that come about? Uh, but you know, well, we when we got in the ring, I used to bend over and Butch used to rub my head and I rub his head and then he'd give me a lick on the forehead, right? Yeah. You know, give me a lick. You know, this was this this was our character where we developed right at, at the start with yeah. the marching. We come and bend over and eh. And, and he did that. He, me, he grabbed me and gave me a lick on the forehead. And that, and uh, then we do the wow together, nose to nose, and the wow together. Well, going to the ring now, after the people saw that on television for a couple of weeks, as we went to the ring, everybody's bending over, putting their head <laughs> over the rail. There was the fuck. Everybody wants a head licked. (laughs) I never licked anybody's head. I put my hand over their head to grab their head and lick the back of my hand. There you go. That's a good idea, yeah. (laughs) So I'll I'll tell you, probably one of my my favorite things about your career, Luke, is the Royal Rumble, where you come down, you're all strutting your stuff, you get in the ring and you toss right out, and then you walk back, strutting your stuff. And then poor Butch yeah. has been in there for like Just 40 like minutes. Did you Just what? like an ever-ready battery. Yeah. Never running now. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, that, that, was Pat, that was Pat's call. Pat Patterson. Patterson, yeah. 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 So now, that was planned. That was all planned. Now, that, that was stopped. Vince used that pre-Royal Rumble right up to 2018. Oh, really? After 2018. He stopped using it. Like I was pissed off. <laughs> Every Royal Rumble from '92 to 218, he played that clip. Oh, that that was the yeah. best. Oh, that's wow. yes. That's yeah, a, he that's just got you come down, swing your arms, you get into the ring, you get tossed out, and you leave, swing your arms. I think it was four seconds, but poor Butch, he was in there for like yeah. forty minutes. And what did you guys get paid the same amount? <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a joke. That was a that well, it was a rib. Butch always hot. He said he saw me come. He saw me come into the ring, and he was like this. I was out. <laughs> I was out. He, he was in there for twenty something minutes. Oh, that's the best. How that did you keep a straight face? Straight, straight, straight <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. they bail, guys. That is awesome. That is a, that is. Anyhow, butcher me. Got this book out called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Now, the blood and the sweat is when we were the villains. Yes. From from '66 right through to '88, and then we were changed, and that's when we got the tears. Blood, yeah. sweat, and tears. That's it. And it's a book about our. It's a book about our lifestyle. It's very little wrestling in it. It's all about from going to country and the shit we got into, the places we went, and and things that happened in different countries and ribs. A lot of a lot of ribs that nobody heard about. They're going to read the book to read the ribs. Yes. You know, and um, it's on Amazon. The book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. We got a five star rating from all the people on Amazon for it. A lot of people let uh, text me back and said they once they got into it they couldn't put it down because they wanted to see what happened next. Oh, I bet. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. Is there any stories about Andre in there? I know you guys were. Yeah, of Andre came to New Zealand. Yes, in, here we go. In, in 1969, 1970, before he came to North America. Okay. He was he was seven foot four, uh, seven foot four, three hundred and fifty pounds. Now you know, and the, and butcher me wrestled him in handicap matches all over New Zealand, <laughs> except the major towns. The promoter had to be his partner to work against us. Okay. So we worked on the cat matches every night with Andre. If I told you all we did, it last. It was nothing, but the people popped. Yeah. You know what I mean? People really got off on what we did. Anyhow, um, I, I hope he took it easy yeah, on you. Uh, I hope he took it easy on you. He was a big dude. Did you have to drag him home? Okay, guys. Yep. I'm going to show you a photo of him in 19, 1969. Okay. A little bit further up. A little up. Uh, a little more up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. oh, oh, look wow. at that. Holy wow. shit. That's wow. crazy. The monster. Look at that. Look how lean, look how lean he is. Dude, oh, he man. is slim. Wow. Wow. I mean, he's you never seen him like that. He was 350 pounds there. Now, here he was. Here he is. His last match was WWF. He was in our corner in MSG, Medicine Square Garden, yep. when Butcher Me risked the natural disasters. He was in our corner. Oh. Here's, this, this is him then. A little Ooh. bit bigger. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit bigger. Wow. Not quite the same. Pound more, mate. He was 540 there. Wow. How did, wow. So when he got too drunk, how did you get him into his bed? <laughs> Mate, I don't know, but you know, we worked a lot. Well, you know, he was brought over to he was brought over to North America by the Bashans, Butcher and Mad Dog Bashan. Alunas, yeah. You, you guys know much about them? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they, they Mad Dog Bashan. Yeah. And and Butcher. With Edward, Edward Capondier, the flying Frenchman who did the TV in French for Vince, Vince Jr. Now, he's, Edward Capondier is dead. He, he was a big star in Madison Square Garden in the 60s. The flying Frenchman. Okay. Those three owned a promotion in Montreal. When Andre came over, they were running one town a night. Butcher Me were brought over to, to North America by the Vachons too. They brought Butcher Me over in 1972, about three quarters of a year after Andre. By then, the promotion was running three towns a night. That's how hot the area was. And the, and the Rujos, and the Rujos were running one town a night. So in Quebec, in Quebec and in Ontario, there was four four shows a night. This was in the eighties and the, in the early seventies. That was a hotbed of wrestling. I'm counting Maple Leaf Gardens in Ontario and in Quebec. That all the biggest stars in North America were working that territory at the time. I'll tell you, it's just. You guys must have the best stories because you've seen it all from way back in the day up until almost present. So you just 
actually wrestled the match, didn't you? I wrestled last Saturday night. Oh, geez. Wow. Oh, my goodness. How'd that go? I wrestled I, good. I wrestled next week, too. This week, I've only got a signing. I'm working at a convention. But next week, I work work a match, too. I work about I work in the ring about three times a month. Really? That's incredible. I mean, yeah. you're still you're still doing it. So uh, the old when uh, Wikipedia says that the great Kochika in Japan is the oldest. He owns a part of the promotion. He's seventy nine. <clears throat> I'm number two at seventy six. Oh. And then Fujiwara, you may have heard of Fujiwara. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's number three. How do you do it? How is that even physically possible? Yeah, I mean, you're still taking bumps and all that. I mean, it's just, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, but I'm still moving. Well, I, I try to keep fit, mate. Yeah. You know, you know, it's still in my blood. Seven decades I've been doing it. And, um, you know, I think if I stop doing it, that's when we, that's when I start sliding downhill. Right. Yeah, you're right. How did, how did you yeah. get into it? Next door neighbor was a bodybuilder. Okay. He went and missed the New Zealand show, and uh, the judge was a fifth, was ninety Mister New Zealand nineteen fifty. This was nineteen sixty, next sixty one. And uh, the judge, after the show, he said to my neighbor, he says, "You want to make some money with that body?" And my neighbor says, "Fucking how?" He says, "Come to this gym." Um, we're, over, we're there three or four nights a week. Yep. Now, this gym, you know, New Zealand's in the British Commonwealth. You know, Australia, Canada, India, Pakistan, you know, the island, a lot of still under the, the British Commonwealth. Right. You've heard of the Commonwealth? Of yeah, course, yeah. Yes. Yeah, of course, yeah. We have the Commonwealth Games, and the Commonwealth Games are the British thing to the, to the Olympics. Anyhow... This gym was this gym was well known to amateur wrestlers and amateur boxers in the Commonwealth. It was a, it was like the gym, like in the Rocky movie. Remember the first Rocky movie? Yeah. The kettlebells, the kettlebells lying over the floor. Old weights. Yeah. There, there was only two racks. There was a big bench rack and a squat rack. There was no other machines. Just stuff scattered all over the place. You know. Over the floor, and then there was two rings, twenty foot by twenty foot, four ropes, and they're about a foot off the floor. The floor of the rings were like the floor that you're sitting, <laughs> standing on. Yeah, you know, the concrete floors, and that's the rings we learned the boxing rings, twenty foot by twenty foot. Wow. <sighs> so he was going there for six months, and he and he called me. And he got me to come and start coming in with him. I was 170, 170 wet. <laughs> I started buying casserole, started buying protein, gasolin, and force feeding myself. You know what I mean? Oh, stuffing it in there. Yeah. Every night, too, I'd eat, a, uh, I'd eat a two pints of ice cream. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Nothing you know, wrong with that. To get... Anyhow, we didn't have any television. I'd never heard of professional wrestling. Right. You know, he'd never he he'd never heard of it either until that promoter said to him. Now the guy who, who was a judge, he was the he was the promoter of wrestling in New Zealand. Yeah. And in and, and, and a live event, it would have three professional matches or two professional matches. Up to up to half time would be bloody amateur wrestling. And then the pros would come on. And they, the main event had to do eight eight-minute rounds, and the and the other match had to do eight five-minute rounds. Really? And if, rounds and wrestling. Do, and if you didn't do six rounds, the people thought you're getting fucked. Right. You know, you, the house the house would go bang. You know what I mean? So you had to put time in. You had to put and that anyhow. So I went to my first. I went to my first wrestling show. No television. We had radio. The means of promotion was radio and the newspaper and posters. Yeah. 
That's right. how it all went. I went to one show with my with my next door neighbor. He was two thirty, two thirty five. He's a big dude. Then he called me up about, you know, he, he yelled out to me, he says, I got a show 100 miles out, and one night, do you want to come for the ride, keep me company? And I said, yeah, I'll come up there. So I went up with him there. I'm in the back of the dressing room. You know, I know all the guys now doing the show because they all trained in the gym where I was going in with my next-door neighbor. Yeah. So I got all the guys, right? And that, and, um, one of the guys never arrived for the early match. There were three matches, and he didn't arrive. They yelled out to me, what size boot are you? I told him my size boot. <laughs> Next minute, a pair of boots flying. <laughs> wow. And then, and, then a tank, and then a tank top come flying. I had a pair of jeans on. Next minute, I was in the ring. Now, don't ask me. Don't ask me what happened in that match. It's, it's all blank. Yeah. <laughs> That is awesome. That was, that was the introduction of sweet, uh, of gorgeous Teddy Williams. Oh, that is great. That is that, awesome. That's a great start. Hey, if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it, right? That's it. Get with the bodybuilders. Yeah, well, you know, that, you know you, I didn't even know I was going to be in the ring. You know, I've been on a mat for about six months with my friends and that, and you, the, the guys at my weight was like called light heavyweights or junior heavyweights, yep. and that they all had fucking noses like this and cauliflower ears because <laughs> it was semi-professional. You know, they're amateurs turned professional, and they and they still worked a lot of groundwork. You know, the British style wrestling right is a lot of groundwork. Right. You know, we're complete American style. Mm-hmm. It was all Amer- it was all British style then. You know what I mean? As I told you. You couldn't kick or punch. It was groundwork, a lot of ground. Moving from a headlock to hammerlock, then the leg, and, you know, like rolling around the mat. Right. Wow. Which the kids don't know about today. No. You know, they don't know how to chain wrestling. You call it chain wrestling, but they don't know any of that. No, no. Yeah, it's tough now. I mean, the whole style of wrestling has just changed anyway. You know, it's not. There's nothing like it used to be like when you guys were going at it. It was just brute against brute, you know, and you, you throw in those little finesse things. But now it seems like everything's finesse. Everything's off the top rope. Everything's going to be high flying. Yeah, that's, that's why That's why everybody's out injured all the time. You know, you wonder, where's that have? Where's this guy going? You're thinking, oh, they must have fired him. Then he comes back four months later. He was out with an injury. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. It seems like you guys were never hurt. Yeah, yeah you guys. Hey, I, 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 my next little fuse. I've had two knee replacements. I, I need a re, I need a new shoulder here because the shoulder don't work. The trap, the trap does all the work for the shoulder. The shoulder shrunk away compared to this side. That's life, you know. Yeah. Seven decades. Seven decades in the business, mate. Taking bumps and all that sort of stuff. That, that is incredible, you guys. I, I mean, I, I I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine it, especially. You live in pain. Yeah. So you're living in pain yeah. right now. Is it? Huh? Are you living? You're living in pain right now, then. You're in pain all the time. You yeah. know. Yeah. You know, when I this arm up, it's pulling on my neck because, as I told you, the muscle's gone. The tractor. The trap does all the work here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they, they just put an epidural on my neck last week in in in, uh, in the C6 to try and calm that nerve down that goes across the shoulders. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it's crazy, huh? Well, that's why you got to keep moving. If you don't keep moving, you're going to feel it even exactly. more. Exactly. Yeah, you guys are holding me up. I gotta get to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, so yeah, guys. Yeah. So uh yeah, tell us uh, more tell us more about your book. Let's uh, let's do another plug about your yeah, book. Yeah, here's the book. Here's the book. There's the cover there, guys. There it is. Nice. There's two good looking fellas right there if wow. I ever seen them. Yeah. Fifty decades on the uh, in reaction. And then and um I've got a lot of books. Butch has actually signed a, a lot of books for me. I had to get a thing sent over with all that. Wow. There's a, nice. I can sign. There's a page, page where Butch signs. And there's a page where I sign. 
So the, the book tells the whole story, you know, starting in the in the Far East and Singapore, Bangkok, uh, you know, and Penang and all that area, and then it goes, and then it goes to um, Japan. We're, we're in Japan, early 70s, or late 60s, early 70s. Then we come over to North America. The, you know, after after um, Grand Prix, the French promotion, and that they went a year and a half to two years. They said, you know, we, you, we've been using you on top for the last um, year and a half, and that you know you'd have to move move down the card that we don't want you to move down the card. We'd rather send you out and then bring you back. You know, two years time. So he said, you know, we've got a territory descendant. They said, they said this territory is called Stampede. Now, I never heard of Stampede. I never knew it was the most notorious promotion in North America. Everybody had gone through that. Right. And I never, I didn't know who Stu Hart was. And he had four girls and eight boys. But I didn't know anything of that. He was a busy guy. <laughs> he was a busy guy. I'm going to tell you one little, I don't want to tell you about the book. I, uh, I'm just going to tell you the country you went through. But I'm going to tell you this story to hook you guys into the book. All right. Okay. Let's hear we it. Arrive, yep. Let's we arrive in Calgary. We arrive in Calgary on a Thursday, Friday. We do television and the pavilion. Now there's two arenas in the, in the fairgrounds. It's a big fairgrounds because they have Calgary Stampede there. The biggest live show in the world, you know, every yeah. year, the Calgary Stampede. Now, anyhow, so Friday we do work in the pavilion. It holds 3,500. 3, That's where they sell the stock, the cattle, the horses and everything. It's seating, tent seating all around, and a shoot where, they, where your animals come out from the back. And there's <laughs> resting rooms and there's pens for animals and all that, right? Yeah. So and we shoot we shoot television there on Friday night. So we're working against the champions the first night there, and we're getting DQ'd. I don't I don't know whether we use the flagpole or we use the chain. At the end of the night, the two baby faces were laying on the mat bleeding. <laughs> Next minute, a ten-year-old gets thrown in the ring, and then maybe an eleven-year-old gets thrown in the ring. And a voice is saying, yelling out to us, beat them up, beat them up, champs, beat them up. Wow. We the boots of these kids. Next minute, two more kids get thrown in, but these ones are bleeding. These ones too bleeding. So now really? we've got two opponents bleeding, and then we've got two kids bleeding, and the guy's telling us to put the boot to everyone. So <laughs> now we've got six people being in the ring, two adults, two kids, and we're beating them up. Next minute, referees and people come from the restroom and we get out of the ring. We head back to the dressing room. As we go down to the, come to the chute, when you go down the chute to the different rooms, different rooms on either side, right at the front, there's a thick set man there, about five foot 10, 280 pound, 270 pound. Eh, 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 what the fuck are you doing? They're my fucking kids you're beating up. Oh, <laughs> then we realized we got, told, we got told before that it was Stu Hart. And we said, but we didn't know. We said, a friend of ours just told us to beat him up. To beat him up. <laughs> you, know who, you know who was throwing them in the ring? No, no. Who was it? Well, two of them were bleeding. Have a guess. Andre. Oh, uh, Brett? No. What? The well-known guy, Abdullah the Butcher. Oh, come oh, on. Really? Come on. Really? Well, he's that, the one that's that's he's part the of one, the course. He's the, one, he's the one that cuts all the people. You know yeah, what I mean? Abdullah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he, he was, he was, Abby's from Canada. I don't know whether you knew that. No. Oh, I had no idea. No. No, he's from Windsor. Windsor. Wow. In Ontario. There was a school. A lot of talent came out of Windsor. That was the factory for wrestlers. Really? In Canada. Yeah. In the, in the 60s and 70s, a lot of talent came out of there. Anyhow, so um, so that was that. We beat the kid. We're back in the dressing room now. And now we, that was our first time we met Stu Hart. 
Now, the next day, it's Edmonton. And, you know, next morning at 10 o'clock, that, that TV's showing, but it's only showing in Calgary. Those days in the 70s, the television tapes were bicycles. You know, bicycles, what that means? Right. You know, a week later, they're all around the circuit. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the next night was in Edmonton, and we worked in Edmonton. Nobody knew us there. We just went out there and had a match with the champions, right? Wow. I can't remember what happened in that match. But on now, three times a year, Stu would run a double shot. He'd run Friday in the pavilion and then Sunday in the corral in the same fairgrounds in Calgary. And he'd bring and he'd bring outside talent in for the Sunday show. Right. So it was a bigger show. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So so the people on the Sunday show have seen us put the boot to the kids. <laughs> so, so Sunday Sunday show, I think it was an afternoon show. That's when we came out and that to go to the ring. People were throwing stuff and screaming at us. And we had we had heat, but not drawing heat. You know, if we yeah. were put on top of the card to draw a house, we wouldn't draw it. But that, that was the start of us getting good heat in Calgary. That's you know awesome. what I mean? Sure. And we we were there for a year and a half. Archie Goldie left six months down the line, and then more more or less we took over. You know, we'd go to Stu's on Sunday and work out the matches and that for the week and all that sort of stuff. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So that, that was that was our that that was our first um, encounter with, our first, with the Hearts. Yeah, encounter with the Hearts, and that's when we met them. That. We came good friends. I still talk to, I still talk to Brett. Yeah, keep, keep in touch with Brett. That's he awesome. Was, yeah. He was he was thirteen then. Now we we came back between territories in Japan to seventy nine or seventy eight. Between territories, we had six weeks off, and I called Stu to see if we could come in for six weeks. Yeah, and he said. Come in and and Dynamite Kid had just come in from England. Oh yeah, Dynamite was Dynamite was one seventy five pounds, but muscled up. Oh uh, yeah, of course. So we came in. We arrived at, at, arrived at the Spooking Hotel that night. We go to the Pavilion. Now before when we were working in Calgary, Butcher and me were the smallest heels there. You know, Abby was coming in. You know, for weeks at a time. Big John Quinn, 350, 325, six foot, um, six foot seven, six foot eight. Um, Archie Goldie was 280. Uh, most of the heels were big. Bigger. Oh, yes. Which mm-hmm. was two four. Which was about 235, 240, and I was 220. So we were the smallest. <laughs> yes. Now, now then. Now we're back the second time for the six weeks tour. I come, we come in the dressing room. Fucking, we look around. Everybody's two hundred under two hundred pounds. Really? Maybe some, a few of them under over two hundred. All of them, all of them are from Europe. Most of the top talent there are from Europe, you know, and England. Yeah. And I thought, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah. I go outside to, oh, excuse me, look in the arena, and the fucking place is jam-packed. Oh, wow. Jam-packed. The main event is Marty Small. I forget his last name. He was from Britain. He he was about uh, 190 against um, uh, against Dynamite Kid, who was 175. And that's when I – and it was a cage match. That's when I saw Dynamite Kid come off the top of the cage, slam the guy on the other side of the ring, come off the top of the cage, and, and land on him right over the other side of the ring. And that's where, you know, that's where Benoit got all the headbutts yes. and coming off the top of the yeah. rope. The, yep. the, the Dynamite was coming off the top of cages and doing it. That's, that's what happens, crazy. yeah. That's where the CTE comes into effect. Yeah. Concussion. We ended up in a wheelchair and yep. all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. His body was only meant, his body was only meant for about 180, 190. And he he was he was loaded up at 220, 
you know, and he looked he looked two fifty. He yeah. did. You know, when Daisy yeah. Boy, they were, excuse me, they were jacked. Yeah, you know, jacked on steroids. Oh yeah, <laughs> everyone was doing uh, the juice yeah. back then. Not the bushwhackers. The British, <laughs> British bulldogs, British bulldogs were real, and they were a hell of a looking tag team. And one hell of a working tag team. Yeah, yeah. they were. Dude, those guys could give the bumps and they could take them too. So it was great watching. Yeah, they could do a lot of stuff. They were one of the better action tag teams around for wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I think of them, what, what guys were better than them? You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm going to ask you. Back in the day when those guys were going at it, the Bulldogs – uh, Demolition, Legion of Doom, you know, uh, the Heart Foundation, Killer Bees, whoever it may be. Who was your favorite tag team? Who, who was your favorite one to uh, wrestle up against? Two guys, uh, you know, the uh, you, you mentioned that the Road Warriors didn't come to 92, 91, 92. Sure. You know, we're talking about the 80s. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't know if you wrestled them, you know, across the way, you know, no, across no, paths. Uh, yeah, I got a story about road wires. I'm not telling you. Not telling you. That's in the book. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> you got to read the book. Uh, you got to read the book, Dan. Sure. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good one. All right. But, um. Uh, you know, amongst all that, Tully and Iron came in as uh, brainbusters. Brainbusters. Yeah, they were the best tag. Excuse me. They were the best tag team for us to wrestle there. You know, we worked, we worked with Nobs. And Vince had us with all these new guys come in. Nobs and Sags. Nasty boys. And yeah. the uh, Beverly Brothers. All these guys were green as hell. They, yeah. were, they were good looking. They looked good. And that, but Vince put them, us, put them with us to groom. We mm. ran with that bloody nasty boys for over a year around the country. Yeah. That, that must <laughs> have been fun. There must be stories there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey. They were rough as guts. <laughs> you know, we had, to, we, we, had to, we had to groom them. Yeah. Groom them. Yeah. You know, these kids, most of these kids, by the time they came into WWF, the promotions they worked for were fucking just, just staying alive barely, and there was no good talent there. Right. So they were working against people that couldn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. sure. They thought they were work. Right. They all thought they were good workers because they were working on top. But there was only 200 or 300 people in the houses because Vince had taken all the top talent. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. And there was only a few Vern's territory, um, uh, Jerry Jarrett's only a few territories surviving. 78, 79, most of them have been swallowed up, you know, by Vince. You know? Yeah, it's well, speaking of uh, speaking of being swallowed up by Vince, all the territories and stuff. You know, all these great talents went to the WWE, and that included you guys, and you went into the WWE Hall of Fame. What kind of feeling was that when you got the phone call about becoming a member of the Hall of Fame? My first my first words to them were saying, about bloody time. <laughs> That's true. That's that true. true. You, know, you know, when we went to WWF, mate, the, so, uh, the social media – no, when we were told the social media said, why are, those, why are those two clowns going to the Hall of Fame? They didn't start till they were late in the age. A lot of those people didn't realize. They thought in 88 that we started, we were in the 40s. Mm -hmm. That's what they thought. <laughs> right, right. They didn't know that we started and we traveled around the world and done all the countries till we told them, you know, that we started in 65. When I started in 62, we started as a tag team in 65 and had wrestled all over the world as the, as the bad guys. None of those people knew that. Right. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. They, knocked, they all knocked us. Why they put these two old guys in the Hall of Fame? Was it till, you know, when Johnny Ace made the speech, the introduction, Johnny Laranitis, Johnny Ace, mm -hmm. made the introduction to the Hall of Fame. And he said that if it wasn't for the uh, these two guys, I wouldn't have been a wrestler. We broke Johnny Johnny Laronitis in the business. Wow! Oh, no and kidding. he did ten years. He did ten years in Japan. He was a booker for Barber and in Japan in the end. You know what I mean? Wow! He booked the yeah. talent right. and then the shows for for Giant Barber. 
That, that's a yeah, I had no idea about that. Yeah, see, well, he told the people that, he, and they wouldn't, they didn't realize that. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And I, he spent ten years in Japan. He spent from two thousand uh, uh, ninety ninety to two thousand in Japan. He came back in in nineteen ninety nine and came into WCW and that, at that time Vince bought them out. About four six months later, he bought them out and and he kept Johnny and Johnny had to fire all the rest of them and he just kept a handful, you know, that came into WWE. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. You don't realize how much uh, ground or not groundwork, but how much uh, John Laurinaitis, Johnny Aces was involved. With all the background of wrestling, I mean, he's been around. You you don't realize it. Johnny Ace, Johnny Ace has a degree in business. Yeah, he worked for a big business firm. He didn't start till eighty till eighty five in the business, and that, and he'd already worked, got a degree, and be working in in a bigger um, I forget the name of the firm, well known firm, and um, it's all over the country. And he was in the mark, you know, the, the the marketing and all that sort of stuff. Sure. Huh. Because of his business degree. And um and then he came, started training and we and the, he, he was given to us as our flag bearer and then we started training him, you know, he learnt the business watching us from the outside and then we'd bring him into six man tags and all that sort of stuff and you know, coach him as he went along. Right. Sure. Yeah. Oh, huh, that's incredible. I, yeah, like I said, you don't realize. A lot, people, a lot of people didn't know that. Yeah, no, I had no idea. That's right. That's how I started. And then and then his brother got him into Japan. Yeah. Animal got him into Japan. And then next minute, he's the, he's the fucking boss. <laughs> next boss, minute. Yeah. yeah. years later, he's, he's bar- Barber's, big giant Barber's right-hand man. Well, you know, the road warriors in Japan were hot, so. You know, yeah. <laughs> they recommend something. Yeah. And his brother, brother, and his brother and him didn't get on. So Animal and, and Joe and jo, Joe and John, they didn't get on so well. You know what I mean? Uh, he was a bit jealous because because John was, you know, the right hand man. Right. Even though he was working in Japan, he, John was the main man for Giant Barber. Mm. Unbelievable. So, so you. So you ended up getting another call recently. What was it two years ago to go into the professional wrestling hall of fame? How was that? Was that a bigger? Yeah. Was that a better feeling? The, the no, that was great, a great, achievement, great achievement. But then you know the um, then COVID hit. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and oh, yeah. we never got the we we entered the hall of fame uh, virtually. We never got to go to the place and all that sort of oh. stuff. You know, that was all canceled because of COVID. Right, right, yeah. Uh, that, right. Yeah, that's a downer right there. That sucks. The last three years have been rough when it comes to COVID, but we're out of it now. Hey, you know, we're, we're going to move into yeah. the next era here. Yeah, whatever comes up next. <laughs> that's it. The Biden era. The Biden era. <laughs> hey, one thing I'll say to the guys, switching the subject, the mayor of Chicago is X. She is X Man out. Yes, that happened last night. That, You're right. Yep. She was right. Yes. Yes. I, I read she, about she I read about that today. Yeah. She should be in the she should be put in the zoo. <laughs> all the killings letting the people go free and all the stuff like that. You know? Right. You know, defund the police. Look at all the killings. 196 kids last year, 196 kids under 18 were shot in Chicago, just in Chicago. Yeah. Under 18. Wow. That is unfortunate. Those are big numbers right wow. there. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, no, that's only one part of Chicago. If you read the, all the, how many murders in Chicago and all that sort of stuff, and she was defunding the police, people, you know, they, they get caught. They take her. They take him in front of a judge. He let them go, and they're out back on the street. Yep. And then they'll be taken again. It's just the hey, 
it was a free life. You could do anything you like. Yeah. yeah. Not anymore, though. Yeah. Hopefully they, uh, they get straight out. Anyhow, mate, I got to close up here and that because yeah. I got things to do. All right. Seven oh. o'clock. Right. All right, Luke, before, before we wrap this up, one more plug about your book. Tell us where we can get it. Tell us the title. Yeah. Here's the title book. The book is called Blood, Sweat, and Cheers. It's available on Amazon. It's available at Barnes & Noble. You can also get it on Kindle. And if you need a signed book by me and Butch, you go to my website, bushwhackerluke.com, or email me at bushwhackerbrand. B-R-A-N-D at gmail.com. Put your name and your address, and you'll have a book in the mail. Okay. It's 357 pages of um, fun. Awesomeness. Drug, sex, and rock and roll. And who doesn't like that, right? And there's quotes. There's quotes from Hogan, Red Hart, Dallas Page. Quotes from about... 20 people inside the book. Oh, we need one for this table. You know, right. We need one for this table. Yeah. We're going to get one. Already than that. Yeah. And um, I'm just telling you, it's a great book and it's available now. Get the copy now. Never awesome. Stop. That's great. great. Never yeah. stop getting the book. Yeah. Well, Luke. All blood. Bushwhackerbrand at gmail.com. Great. Yes. Yeah, Luke, that's incredible. And my um, social media is Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's Bushwhacker Luke. It's got my head. It's got my uh, the world with my head in the middle of the world. Yes. And it's got Bushwhacker Brand. That's my uh, all my sites. That you know you got the real one there. Perfect. And well, it carries on. Instagram has where I am every week. And you know the it has up to a month ahead of where I'll be. That, that's great, and I'll tell you, uh, Luke, it's it's been great meeting you, and for somebody who's been wrestling for seven different decades, in seven different gre- ge- decades, you epitomize what we are here as the Never Stop Getting It podcast, because you have never stopped getting it, so thank you for being such an uh, incredible guest, so great to meet you, and uh, we will talk soon, so go out and get that book, can't wait to read it. Absolutely. Yes, uh, appreciate appreciate you guys having me on. Never stop getting yeah, podcasts. All it. right. Absolutely. All right. All right, Luke. All never right. stop getting yeah. it, buddy. Booyah. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Never Stop Getting It podcast. And join the community on Facebook. Never Stop Getting It and Twitter at Never Stop Getting It and of course, NeverStopGettingIt.com